This is Pet Life Radio. Let's talk pets. Hi, this is Chris Anthony, Canine Master on Pet Life Radio. Today we're going to talk to John Devron. And John is a farmer in the burn on the west coast of Ireland. And he is an amazing trainer working with his dogs, his border collies, and watching how he manages these, these dogs and how they work with him is truly, truly an amazing sight to be seen. I'll be back to you soon on Canine Master and Pet Life Radio. Does your dog itch, scratch, stink, or shed like crazy? Come to Dynavite for help. Order a 90-day supply of Dynavite. Dynavite for life. Pick up two tubes of Doggo Suds. Get the third tube free. Peppermint, tea tree, lavender, Doggo Sud shampoo. Made with all-natural coconut, jojoba, aloe. Great for healthy skin and soft, shiny coats. But no itchy, harsh chemicals. Lather up, rinse away. Try Doggo Suds. Buy two, get one free. At Dynavite.com. D-I-N-O-V-I-T-E dot com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Hi, it's Chris Anthony, Canine Master. Today, I'm going to take you on the show. We are on the west coast of Ireland. And we're in, what county are we in, John? We're in County Clare. County Clare. County Clare, I'm here with John Deverin. He is a farmer, and he uses his border collies to herd and to navigate and to work as sheep. Welcome to have you on the show, John. How are you? Thank you very much. Gosh. I'm glad to have you over, and I hope you enjoy your trip while you're in Ireland. Oh, gosh, I've had the best time, and the Irish people are so friendly. You know, I wanted to ask you, John, I, I watched you working these dogs. How many dogs do you have all together? We have uh, 10 dogs, well, actually 8 dogs and 2 pups, and they're all Border Collies. And they're all Border Collies. And do, do, are they all working, or do you have some Well, they're all working. working. A, a tree was work on the farm. So I, I take out the young dogs to do the demonstrations here every day for the tourism. And the other two guys are out on the farm and they have the other seven dogs gone with them. Oh, that's great. You know, today we watched four of your dogs working, I think. Or, or, yeah, it was, yes. Yeah, it was four. Yeah. And some of them, one of them was a little older. And then you had a younger one, right? I had, yes. Uh, and, you know, it's really interesting to watch you work these dogs. I mean, we are using both voice command and whistle. Can you tell me a little bit about... What is the benefits of using a whistle and what's the benefit of using voice? Well, the collie dog is the most clever dog. They're supposed to be the most clever dog in the world. So they can know your signals. The reason that we use both, we train the dogs originally with the voice. That's to get them to walk up, sit down and go left or go right. That's done originally with the voice. But there are two reasons then we have to change them to the whistle. The retrievers walk on the farm and it's very difficult to get the dogs to walk for more than one person by voice. But you see, if you blow the whistle properly, the dog won't know who's blowing it, so she'd walk away for anybody when she hears the proper whistle. The other thing is in our, in our territory here, it's mountainy, and as you can see, it's very stony or rocky. So when you shout at your dog in the mountain, your voice is going to echo, and then it'll echo three times over. So when you move from one dog to the next, with the voice echoing three times, no dog will know what you're talking about. Oh, interesting. So that's the reason for both the voice and the whistle. But does a whistle work better for long distances? Oh, 
Way better. Way better. The dog will hear you to a mile out a with mile. the whistle. He won't hear you only a couple of hundred yards with your voice. So using the whistle is the, is probably the best way when you're in, in big expanses of property and, and of things like it, this. Of course it is. And the dog has seven times the hearing of a man. So, And as well as that, he'll work better with the whistle because it delivers the message to his hearing much clearer and better. You know, accent will come in with the, with your voice. The wind will break up your voice. But the whistle is back clear. Right. And and the reason why you use border collies, tell me, why, why border collies and not... I don't know, uh, a different type of herding dogs. The Border Collie is the most clever dog. He's hardy and he's light. Uh, our dog, you've seen him working today, they're all very small, much smaller than the normal dog you see, the normal Collie. But here on the Burn, it's in the Burn County clear you're in, it's very rocky and very stony. So if our dogs get more than about 18 kilos in weight, they're going to get sore feet. Their paws will get sore running up over the stone. Yeah. So that's the reason, really, for keeping the dog light, number one, female dogs only, and the collie dog is light-bred anyway. He's light-boned, you know, he's light-framed. He's bit light and bred. using the female is the preferable thing for all all people that do herding or no, just no, in this area? It's just in this area. Most people would prefer maybe a male dog because he's, he's, he, he moves slower than that and he's easier to train. For us, we need a female dog because we have to cover a big distance. Mm-hmm. They're very quick on their feet for the big distance. And they'll stay lighter longer than the male. So we'll get an extra maybe two years out of them in the mountain compared to a male dog because he's getting heavy and his feet are getting sore. And then to go the big distance, he's too slow. If you send a male dog, like I said, out there to you, out a big distance, he'd stop to look at the scenery in the way out, whereas the female dog will just shoot on. So the females tend to be more focused. They are more focused. Yeah, yeah. they're not thinking about their sexuality as well, right? And no, it's, I suppose it's like it's all. If you stay long enough sitting in the chair, somebody might bring you to dinner. <laughs> That's it's great. A, it's a bit that way with the male dog. Yeah. You know, he's intentive. He can sit about. So tell me a little bit about what's the difference between the ones that are nipping and the ones that you use that don't nip. So with sheep, you're not wanting them to nip, correct? No. Yes. In, in our case, now the dogs will do both because we, we do dairy cows, suckling cows, beef cattle and sheep all in the one farm, all here on the oh, farm. Oh, you do? We do. So we train our dogs to do the sheep and the cattle. Now for the sheep, she just has to creep like a predator and have the proper focus in the eyes. That's enough to move the sheep because the sheep have a fear of the predator. But for the cows or the cattle, you'll need your dog to nip because the cows won't move. They'll get used to the dog. They'll stand up in front of him if he doesn't nip now and then. But we cannot allow our dog to nip only when we tell him because when we're out in the mountains, you have the breaks in the stone, between the stone, you know, the split between the stone. When the animal puts his foot down there, if he doesn't pull it straight up, he's going to break Break his foot. Yeah, because he'll snap it as he walks forward. So the dog must nip when he's told. So we have a whistle, just like his left and his right whistle, that tells him to nip. There's a... And that'll tell the dog to nip once when he hears that. And he'll wait till he hears it again to nip it again. Oh, this is fabulous. Well, we're going to be right back after a few words from our sponsors. John, can't wait to ask you some more questions about some herding dogs. Back to you soon. Has your pet ever suffered from digestive issues, anxiety, or joint pain? We want to address these issues and more with high-grade CBD oil from Alpha, made specifically for your furry friends. Using Alaskan salmon oil as a carrier, Alpha Pet's 500 CBD oil is lab-tested for quality, consistency, and safety. Plus, we are giving Pet Life Radio listeners 25% off and free shipping with code PL25 for a limited time. So visit myalphacbd.com dogs now. 
That's myalphacbd.com forward slash dogs. Because your furry friends are family. Let's talk pets. Let's talk pets. On Pet Life Radio. Pet Life Radio. PetLifeRadio.com. Hey there, Chris Antan, Canine Master, and I'm back here with John, and we are talking about herding dogs and his border collies. John, you know, we were just talking about how you, you train them to, to do a little nip here and there uh, with a certain whistle. You know, training these dogs seems like a major commitment. Can you tell me a little bit? We know border collies are smart, but do they just pick it up, or how does it all work, and when do you start training them? Well, I suppose the first thing you do is you breed them properly. That's the first thing. If you have a good breed of dog, a clever breed of dog, it's like everything. If the dog is clever, it's easy, it's easy to train them. It's like people, you know, some people are bright, some people maybe not quite so bright. Sure. It's the very same with the dog, if you breed the dog properly. Now, what we do is we breed them as, as good as we can. And then at about three to four months of age, we'll take them out to have a look at the sheep. Now, if the dog takes an interest in the sheep, we'll take him home at that stage and we'll make him sit down and walk on our heel. That's the very first job. Before we go train the dog or do anything, he's got to sit down and walk at your heel. So basic obedience in the very Basic beginning. obedience, because when you go out the hill, you see, if you have, we have eight dogs, say, if you go off out the hill with your eight dogs, you cannot have them running around the place. They must walk at your heel, and when you call any particular dog, say, you go, you saw me outside the sheep, I seen one dog off to the right and one dog off the field to the left. So as they all came around the sheep and met at the back and carried them up. If you have your eight dogs, when you call one dog to go, he must go, the other seven must stay. So that's the reason that you train your pup, the first thing, walk on your heel and stay there until he's told to move. Then you take him out to the sheep after that. And the first thing you're teaching, sit down and look at the sheep. He's already sitting down, make sure he sits when he sees the sheep. Then you'll begin to teach the left and the right. Now, the way we do that is we go one at a time. We teach right first. We'll teach them by voice. We'll do the voice first before ever we'll introduce Always the whistle. Voice. We'll teach them the voice. Now what we do with that is you stand on the spot there yourself, put the dog or sit the dog the opposite side at the sheep. Now say you have your sheep between your, your dog and yourself. Mm-hmm. Now when you want your dog to go right, it's the dog's right, not your right. Ah, that's make, that makes sense, yes, right? It's always because when the dog turns around, he'll go the opposite way and does his right. But it's the dog's right. So what you do with that to encourage them is you walk off to the left and the dog will tend to walk to his right before you. I see. Now, if that fails with a pup, what we do is we bring him home again and put a little barrel between ourselves and the dog and lean out over with the lead and walk the dog to, to his and, right. And guide him. And guide him and you'd walk the other one. You'd say, away to me, away to me. That's what you, what you say. All shepherds will say the same thing. Away to me to go to the right. So you'd walk him like that. After a turn or two, he'll get the idea that when he sees you moving, he'll move. You bring him back out to the sheep again, do the same. But you do that every day, maybe for maybe a week or that way. But the, the way you know the dog knows he's right is when you stand on the spot and the dog moves without you moving, then he has his right. Wow, that's really interesting. You do the very same for the left. Same thing for the left. For about a week again. So when you introduced the, the new cue, which is the whistle. So we got the old cue, which is the, the, voice. the voice. And then we and now we're going to change it to the whistle. Do you put the old cue in front of the new cue? Or you put the new cue in front of the old cue? What you do, yeah, you, you just say the voice once, say, you sit the dog, like I said before, say, I wait to meet the dog, and the minute, the minute he moves, bang on the whistle, whatever sound you're going to give him, 
Ah, I see. It doesn't matter to the dog what sound you give him, but you must give him the same sound every time. So you just say, away to me once where he's right. And as he's moving, you hit the whistle. Hit the whistle and hit it all the time. And now he's starting to understand that the whistle... He will. About a week, he should nearly pick up the whistle. Just to take him. Now, he'll pick up the whistle in about a week. He's left and he's right if you do it maybe two to three times a day. You only do a few minutes at any time because he'll tune out if you do it too long. But, you see, once he has that done, that's fine. He's walking away his whistle. The problem then is to get him to walk with another dog. That's where your trouble starts. Like, it's, uh. not, it's not hard to teach one dog. He's left or he's right or he's won't, his own whistle. But now he's going to, you're going to introduce him to the next dog and he'll hear the sounds of the other dog's whistle. But you're having different cues for each dog. I am. Uh, that's really important because you couldn't give one cue for three dogs. They'd all do the same thing and then you'd have chaos. No, you did right. You yeah, did right. Did right. That's right. So yeah. that's interesting. Yeah. You, you know, uh, one of the things I want to ask you, what's the motivation for these border collies? What, you know, a lot of people in, in dog training, you know, we're all talking about you know, uh, treats and good boy, or we train through fear and intimidation. Tell me, what's the motivation for these Look, dogs? There are two things that make the dog walk. The first thing is breeding. Breeding is everything. The dog, if he's properly bred, he wants to walk. You could not make a dog walk if he decided and sitting down on his tail on the floor and he didn't want to walk. Well, he wouldn't walk. All you do is, is you direct the dog. The minute he comes out of the van or the jeep in the morning, he's, he's away ready to go to walk. You must just be direct him or guide him. That's all you have to do. You haven't to do anything else once he's properly bred. Uh, the whole thing is to is to breed him. That's where you... So it's the breeding. It's the breeding, yeah. You know, uh, today, in today's world, we see a lot of people breeding Border Collies, and they're breeding them for the show ring and confirmation. And these dogs, uh, it's unfortunately, some of these natural instincts that we need in herding are actually not bred correctly. So th this is dying in those breeds. So it's, it's the farmers like you that breed the dogs that breed the correct dog with the correct temperament that creates dogs that can have this sort of appetite for this kind of sport. Of course it is. And it's not alone even the correct dog. It's the correct dog for the correct territory. Uh, because our dog is, they're so small, they're much smaller than any, I presume you've seen plenty of collie dogs. Oh, we have. And they'd be once and a half the size of our dogs, maybe twice. Yeah. But those dogs wouldn't last a second day here. Because they, of the terrain. Yeah, the feet would be sore. The paws, you know the way that the little part of the back that cut the paws coming down the hills. Our hills go up in steps of about 80 to 70, 80 feet steps. You have about eight of them up the mountain, say up the hills. So on the way up, it's very severe on their nails and their toes. But on the way down, the back of the paw will get cut if, when it's so steep, you see, if the dog is too heavy, he's pushing down against it and he'll cut the back of the paw. So that's the reason for the small habit. So dogs on the burn are maybe different than dogs somewhere else in Ireland. Oh, they surely are. They yeah. surely are because they're smaller and they're happier. They have to be. They can't be I see. And do we have uh, dogs that are bigger for cattle and smaller for sheep, or does that even matter? Mm, that, no, small is small here. Uh, he's got to be small and tough. And he has to be able to move quickly. He has. And he's got to be able to nip the heel, he's got to be able to nip the nose, and he's got to be able to look after himself. So when, when he nips the heel, like I told you, he'll nip the heel and he lay down on the spot, and he'll always nip the foot the animal has the weight on, because when he nips the one that's lifting, He's going to get kicked, but if he if he nips the one the weight is on, the animal will have to take one more step before it can kick him. The dog will be down low; that kick will go over its head. For the nose, he's got to come in from the side, especially if it's a bull. Come in very quickly, jump, nip the nose, and away the other side, or otherwise the bull will kill him. Put oh the head down gosh. and he'll kill him. So he's got to be quick and gone. Have you ever lost a dog? No. So if it, you train him properly, he won't. We happen. we'll train him on the sheep. We'll move him onto the calves, then the small stock, you know. Yeah. And we won't let him on to the cattle till his timing is good. We yeah. watch his timing that he's able to get away from the kicks, 
he's quick in and out of the front. And how long does that take, John? Um, it'll vary with the different dogs. But to train your dog to do that, you generally have them there maybe a year and a half or two years. But you see, there's a lot of training. That's grand in one dog. But if you want to train, say, three dogs to go a mile out the hill, out that far, you won't actually see the dog. You'll only see the flock. But you'll know by the bend of the flock where the dog is. That's what I, do you remember I showed you with the dog going yep. head to head? Oh, That's yeah. what you train the dogs for. They go head to head so they listen to their whistle. But to actually do that with three or four dogs could take you about three years because you've all the variations in between. Wow, that's And that's just amazing. to make them listen. And then they're out of your sight, so they've got to listen to the whistle 100%. And as you know, it's very hard to get 100% of anything. It is. Now, if you train eight dogs, you'd be lucky to have five of them maybe to do that job. Look at late at night in the pub, they'd all be great and they'd go two miles for you. <laughs> yeah. For not as good in the morning. <laughs> so let me ask you, John, I know my audience is going to want me to ask this question. Where do your dogs sleep at night? Well, not in the bed anyway, that's for sure. Not in the bed? No, <laughs> no they have a kennel. The, each dog the has his own kennel, I see. and they have their own food and water. They have a little place about a foot off the ground, they sit up and sleep. They're only fed at night, they're only fed once a day, because when they come out in the morning, you want to have the food digested and ready to run. Right, so what we call gastrotorsion or bloat. Yeah, yes, that, yes, that doesn't come into the You feed them at night, they digest the food, and they have their own food and water, right. and uh, away they go in the morning. And for the females, you need a kennel for every dog, because they tend to fight. Females, if two males fight, they kind of decide yes. who the boss is. Females once never, they once they start fighting, it's really it's really tough, right? It is tough, and they don't know when they're beaten either. Oh no, they're they just keep on going. Yeah. we see that with all all female dogs. It tends yeah. to be yeah. yeah we that's see the that. way yeah. it was a way that we can for every dog. Well, you know, John, thank you so much. So, John, let us come back in a second. I want to have a few more words from our sponsors, and then I'm going to want to ask you how we find you here in Ireland because I just saw the most amazing demonstration today. Back to you shortly at Canine Master on Pet Life Radio. Begging to hear more of your favorite show? Full episodes of all our shows are available on demand. Go to PetLifeRadio.com to fetch our entire lineup of possum pet podcasts. Also, dig us up in iHeartRadio and iTunes. Let's talk pets. Live and on demand only from Pet Life Radio. Hey, it's Chris Antank. Canine Master, and I'm here with John, and we're in Bern with his herding dogs. John, you did an amazing demonstration today for me and for a whole group of us. Tell me a little bit about what you guys are doing here in the name of your, of it's Care Connell, right? It's Care Connell Stone Fork, that's what it is. Yeah, we do, initially I was a farmer, and I had, I had four sons. Now there's only one of them interested on the, on the farming, so we had to do something else as well to have a place for everybody. Now what we do is uh, we had a, a stone fort on the, on the farm. It was a thousand years old, but there was no history with it. But it, we decided anyway about 15 years ago now that we'd open it to the tourism. But with the no history, we had to have um, an archaeological dig to try and get the history of the fort out of the ground, you know. And we couldn't really afford to do something like that because it's very expensive. To do an archaeological to dig. To do an archaeological dig. It would cost you, to do the fort, it would cost you maybe, it would be certainly hundreds of thousands anyway. Uh-huh. Because a little little square would cost you 25,000 quid, so the fort is quite big. But what we came up with, the idea that, that we'd set up an archaeological field school. And we have students here, they're down there today, they're doing the excavation. Mostly US and Canadian students come to us. We're accredited by the university in Galway, so they'll get credits while they're here and take them back to their own university 
while they're doing the excavation and they get field experience as well to do the excavation. And so that's that, a great way to pay for it. That's a great way to pay for it. And it has the history for Ireland, has free history, you know. That's because wonderful. They're digging up a thousand years of history there back along. They have various finds got. They have arrowheads from iron stone. They have all the metal guts. They have amber, amber gotten, you know, that's silver, silver, bronze, and gold all got. They have amber got. They have even a pig for a tune and Irish hat picked up on the fourth there. So wow. it meant we had music long before the pubs had it. Oh my gosh. So as well as that then we do the farm and we, we were, we're here for, our family are here for 300 years. We, we milk dairy cows, we do beef cattle in Hereford beef, we suckle Charlie cows and that kind of keeps us going. And then you do the dog demonstration. And we do the dog demonstration as well. Well I really, really enjoy the dog demonstration today. I'm delighted. And, and you even had my, my youngest son out there Barking commands at the dogs, trying to get him to, to obey did, to his voice. He did really well, didn't he? It didn't work very well, did it? I know, he did very well. well. He did well. Tell you, know, <laughs> you might have thought he didn't do it. He did really well. Uh, Look, at, we're here with the... I met this for, I don't know, many years, maybe since 2012, anyway. Very few people have ever managed to put the dog to the left or to the right. Only, I think, one person has done it more than two years ago. Very few put it to the left. Your son put him to the left today. Now, he... He went slowly, but he went. Yep, that so was that, great. That young fellow did really well today. Well, maybe I have a young trainer in my midst. <laughs> Follow after his dad. Well, listen, John, thank you so much for your time today. And I had a great lunch at, at your cafe, and I appreciate that. And really enjoyed meeting you and meeting your dogs. Thanks a lot. That's Chris Antank, Canine Master. And come on down to Care Connell Fort in the Bird on the west coast of Ireland. And I will tell you something, it is truly magnificent here. It's beautiful. And I really appreciate your time today, John. Thank you very much, Chris. All right. Take care. Let's Talk Pets, every week on demand, only on PetLifeRadio.com.